This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Welcome to Brisbane, one of the three venues for the all-new ATP Cup. I'm Peter Mercado, and I'm delighted to be joined by ATP Tennis Radio's very own, I mean, he does the TV world feed as well, he does great work everywhere, Arvin Palmer here in Brisbane joining me as we take a look back at the early action ahead of what's to come in our first ATP Tennis Radio podcast for the year. Arv, it is good to see you. Happy New Year. Thank you very much, and likewise to you. I hope you had a, a very good New Year. Absolutely. It is good to see you here. We were talking sort of in the depths of winter or close to winter at the O2 and how much you're looking forward to coming down. When was the last time you were in Australia? Oh, you know what? I was thinking that the other day because a few things have changed as far as visas were concerned. I remember back in the day where you just hop on a flight and off you go. Now I was struggling to get visas and everything. So it was a good few years ago, but really happy to be back. We've got plenty to get through on the podcast. We're taking a look at the early stages we are here at the Queensland Tennis Centre. We can see Pat Raft Arena. There's a night session that's about to begin and just a wonderful atmosphere. But there's been a sort of pall cast over the tournament because, as you well know, uh, in the days you've been here, there's been a bushfire emergency and a bushfire crisis. And unfortunately, it's hit a lot of the country, particularly on the eastern seaboard. It's not something that you get a lot over in the UK, but... You're well familiar seeing the images on the TV when you're yes, getting home. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, just before I left here, it was it was headline news at home back in London, and uh, you know, it's only until you get here the impact that it's had. You know, it's on all the news channels here, 24/7, and uh, yeah, it's so sad. And uh, you just just hope things cool down. It's so hot, and the, the wind whips up, so it's it's been rough for it's been rough for Australia. Really feel for them. The good news is, though, the ATP Cup uh, combining with Tennis Australia and all the, the state bodies where the tournament's being played at the moment and each ace served across the tournament will deliver $100 to the Australian Red Cross Bushfire Disaster Relief and Recovery Efforts. We reckon 1,500 aces. Conservative estimate. Yeah, they're hoping to raise uh, 150 up a, grand. 150 grand. And then that's, uh, you're not adding what the players are going to put in the pot as well. Curious, what, $200 an ace. And then I think John Pierce, a whole of the Aussie team basically went in on it, which was really good, a nice touch. And uh, yeah, hopefully they can really raise a, a lot of money for the, for, from that. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Okay, so let's talk about the tournament in general because this is a new concept. We are working across three cities. We have plenty of new innovations. We've got the team zone. We've got the strategy room. We've got the on-court coaching. We've got so much. I can't keep up with all these rule changes. Have you been able to keep up with it all? You know what? It took a, a bit of prep to get up to speed with everything, but you know what? It has worked brilliantly well so far actually I think all the new innovations there's been a lot of chat about these kind of new things coming in and and to see it come to fruition this inaugural ATP Cup it's been it's been great I I love the team zone I think it it looks brilliant the way that you've got the coach and you've got the team captain in there you've got the team behind on the bench it's a very clean look like the fact that they're in the corners as well and they can give instruction throughout the match between the games Um, you know it was was really funny for me to see Benoit Paire getting in into it with Gilles Simon because you're so used to actually seeing him just have this monologue yes. on the court he's just yes. talking to himself yes. but actually 
Simon was able to answer him back and it was great so it was great interaction and and that was the first time I, I saw this week where two uh, a player and the captain were in deep conversation in between points not just at the change of end so I thought that worked really well the thing I love about the team zone now this is something they could bring on to the tour now not not coaching or anything like that mm. I'm not oh, we're not doing that in this podcast let's say that for the middle of the year <laughs> but the fact that one thing it will eliminate is the chat with the umpire because they're so far away and you've yeah. got crowd noise and stadium noise and all of that sort of stuff, there won't be that ongoing conversation with the umpire. What were you doing with that line call? You eliminate that because they're at the far ends of the court. I'm a little bit torn, actually. Yes, you get rid of it and the umpire can breathe a, a sigh of relief, no question. But I think that's quite entertaining as well. I think the fans do enjoy that. If they times, can hear it. If they can hear it. At or, home they can. Or, or they can see it. Yeah. If something's happening and they can see it, I think that's quite enjoyable. And us in the commentary box, sometimes it's entertaining and it's quite interesting as well, hearing two sides of uh, the story there. You've got the umpire's version of why he hasn't given a call on overall or whatever it may may be. And then you've got the player's side. So, yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm um, I'm not quite sure yet, but right, definitely sir. there's less going on between less interaction going on between the player and the umpire. Video replay also in place for those sort of contentious calls like double bounces and the like. We've seen a couple of those mm. uh, across the tournament, foot faults in particular, but also the double bounces and when calls were made, did it put the player off and all of that sort of stuff. I don't mind that. Yeah, I think for me the biggest thing, the the, the judgment call for the umpire is very difficult because a lot of it happens in a split second and, and I think the, the, the tough one for the umpires is if a call has put off a player, is it a let? Did it, did it affect the shot of the player? And that's been used a couple of times today and I think uh, Fergus Murphy actually had to call both uh, and one went with the player and one went against it depending how you look at it of course but uh, you know he had he had a, a look at it and he's got the headphones on and he's looking at it on the big screen and on his monitor on his umpire's chair so you can make more of a an informed decision you know at the end of the day it's still a judgment call mm. uh, but it's more of an informed decision by the umpire because it happens so quickly and to make a decision in a split second as we all know sometimes you can get it wrong absolutely now the australian team getting the the job done 3 and 0 they've swept basically both their uh, ties so far particularly impressive in the tie against Canada John Millman drafted in for Nick Kyrgios who had a bit, a bit of a back problem and then we also had Alex Dimonor who came from behind to beat Sasha Zverev he is building a very nice campaign and not only that but I want your assessment on the Aussie team, but also on the atmosphere here at the Queensland Tennis Centre. Well, we'll start on the latter there. I think the atmosphere has been brilliant, actually, especially for the Aussie matches, as you would imagine. Today is probably the fullest I've, I've seen it, which was great. There was uh, not too many spare seats at all, and it's been well attended. So atmosphere is, is good. I think the fans are, are still themselves working everything out, but they're, they're looking down on the court and they're seeing uh, some world-class tennis. I mean, what's not to like? So that's brilliant. The Aussie team have been very impressive, was very impressed today. Kind of at the beginning of the day, I was thinking, you know, this is going to be a very tight one. I would not have thought they had won this three zip. You know, it could have gone either way. Comeback uh, kids today. Millman delivering on a court that he He's loves. He's the mailman. He is Always the mailman. Yeah, he was brilliant today. You know, aggressive is what he was. Uh, we talk about shot making and winners, but you cannot underestimate how good you you can be if you're extremely consistent and that is exactly what he was today and with the support of the crowd he he, he squeezed every inch out of his game and um, Dimonor t- 
you know, two two matches now in a row, setting a breakdown. The fight in that guy is just incredible. He's not the biggest in stature, but there's two ways to to win a tennis match in my eyes. You can either sort of blow your way through an opponent with big swings and power, or you can take the ball early, uh, show your speed around the court, and take time away from your opponent. And that's exactly what he was able to do. He's got so much heart and you know, having Leighton in his corner and, and Team Australia watching on as well, you know, that's got to give you a lift. That's an extra 5 or 10% out of your game. And, and as we just we saw just recently, Guccione making his comeback. The hasn't, Gooch hasn't, is back hasn't, in town. Hasn't played for uh, quite a while. Uh, and to play as well as he, he has the last couple of matches, 2-0. and And John Pierce, the experience in that team. It was great. So they uh, got the clean sweep. Well, we're talking about Alex Diminor. Let's find out a little bit about the man who enjoys pulling on the jumper for the green and gold. I first started thanks to my parents. They signed me up to a tennis lesson when I was about four years old. Started enjoying it, playing more and more, asking for more tennis lessons sort of each day and uh, eventually amounted to, to where I am now. You know, who, who would have thought? I think I've always been superstitious and there was a stage where I had my lucky outfit. I wouldn't lose matches in it. That outfit would always come out for the big matches. If I ended up losing with my lucky outfit, it would go in the bin. Australia's got such a rich history in, in tennis and it's amazing growing up and, and watching all, all these legends of the game. And the match is as good as over. Any chance I, I get to represent my country is always an honour. So us Australians, we have a, a really good team chemistry. So we just thrive in these team competitions. We, we all want the best for each other and there's nothing better for us than playing in front of an Aussie crowd. Let's talk about quickly the other two teams uh, that are competing in Group F here. Um, and we've got Greece and we've got Germany. And uh, two teams that got off to a slow start. They, they, they lost their opening time here at the Queensland Tennis Centre. Probably a tinge of disappointment. I suppose maybe not totally unexpected from the, the side of, of Greece because you've got Stefanos Tsitsipas and then you drop well down the rankings for the rest of their players, including his brother Petros. But for Germany... They've got a good lineup. They've got Jan Lenadstroff and Sasha Zverev. I mean, two excellent quality players right at the top of their order. And they'll be stung into action. They'll, they'll want to get their campaign back on track. Yeah, it's not forget about their world-class doubles pairing as well. The French Open champions, Mies and, and Kravitz. So, yeah, they've got a... They've got a strong team, and on paper, they're, they are one of the. They are still one of the strongest. Of course, they can still advance to the the final eight. Uh, got to win tonight. If they win tonight, of course, they can, they throw uh, a huge favour in the direction of Australia because that means that they will qualify. They will advance uh, for the final final eight. But uh, yes, Rarev, it was a tough match for him. He was. Let's not forget. Let's pay him his dues. He was dominating that match against uh, Dimonor, and then, unfortunately for him, the the serve just went off kind of what we saw last year and it then began to bleed into the rest of his game and at third set he fell away quite disappointingly you know but uh, he's got to get that on song so as we take a look at the other teams that are competing here in uh, group a we had uh, serbia and south africa and that was a really interesting tie novak djokovic took on kevin anderson kevin anderson who's had six months off through injury my thought of coming in was maybe a little bit rusty, taking a little bit of time just to get the feel of it. He's coming up against Novak Djokovic, who knows this preparation so well. It's always won the AO so many times. But 
I was pleasantly surprised. I was really, really impressed. He didn't get the win, Kevin Anderson, but boy, he's dropped a marker in the first week of the year of what he's going to produce if he stays fit. Well, when you've had so much time off and you're dealing with injuries and you know the disappointment of that, and it's a, a lengthy time away from the Taurus, or you're not quite sure what to expect when you come back in your first match and you're coming uh, back against the world's number two as well so it's you're not easing your way in to uh, your comeback I thought he was brilliant really maintained such a high level and that's got to give him a whole lot of confidence to know that he's uh, really pushed Djokovic very close you know could have gone either way he could have easily nicked one of those sets so you know, he's got, to, he's got to go away with that match. He's going to be disappointed, but he's going to take a lot of heart from that, knowing that he played incredibly well. Yeah, Novak Djokovic, word on Nole. I mean, the, the, the most asked question to me leading up when I tell people I'm coming to do the tennis for the four weeks and all of that sort of stuff is who's going to win the men's singles. After what I saw from Djokovic, what I see from the Dal, we'll talk about him a little bit later. Yeah, probably Novak again. There's nothing to put me off from what we've seen first up. No, no, not at all. I'd have to go with that as well. It's tough to to bet against him. It's it's a brave man or a woman to do that. So, yeah, I think he's got a lot of tennis ahead of him as well, hasn't he? Because he could possibly advance to the final eight and go all the way with with his team. And then he's playing Adelaide as well. And then you know, normally he likes to kind of take a little bit of time off before Grand Slam. But he's decided just perhaps to get those matches in that's the beauty of this this event you guarantee three matches at least uh, but impressed with him yesterday uh, against someone that I don't think anyone really puts their hand up quite quick you know they don't put their hands up quickly should I say to play someone like Kevin Anderson because you know it's going to be very uncomfortable to give you an idea we are live here at the Queensland Tennis Centre the catering just going past this is where we are we are right in the thick of the action Let's get to the South Africans, and they're captained by Jeff Kurtzia, whose day job is actually the coach of the number one doubles team in the world, Cabal and Farah, and our very own Chris Bowers managed to speak to him. It's a different competition. You're allowed to bring your own coach there, so the role I'm going to play is I'm just going to be there for the for captain's side. I'm going to bring my side, and I want to learn. I'm one that wants to learn. So if I'm with Kevin's coach standing on the same court, I want to you know what he says on the court what makes it happen I'm going to be there on court when we sit there together listen to the conversation so that's what I took when when when, when Kevin asked me uh, we always said to my wife you know what we need to book our holiday and then suddenly I get the message from Kevin I'm like oof I said wifey this is up to you do I go on holiday or do I go here we talked about it she goes look you never know you've always talked about when opportunities come you take it we okay and she's very supportive they are very supportive so I said to Kevin sure I'll be honored to be part of it because because I always feel like uh, the, the questions that I got asked over the years with the boys' success, especially this year, is why don't I help South Africans? And I said to them, I would love to. So when the opportunity came, I said, sure. Obviously, Kevin Anderson is getting towards the end of his career, but Lloyd Harris is at the beginning of his. So maybe you can actually have a greater input to his career. He said to us earlier this week that he felt that he was trying to prove people wrong, who said he couldn't make it as a top professional while being based in South Africa. Do you think you can support him in that? Oh, 100%. I think uh, uh, with Anthony, his coach um, has done such a great job with him. And uh, look, He's already been top 100 or, you know, by based in Cape Town. And uh, a lot of people said that's a great effort. And I just feel like it's wherever you have your comfort zone, 
you know, most of the time you spend three weeks on, on the tour and when you have your off weeks, you want to be in a, in a situation where you're most comfortable and have a normal lifestyle, uh, family, friends, girlfriends, whatever, you want to be able to have that and I think they've done a great job but also learn from when you have a five, six week trip and have a week or two off, go learn from others also and be able to practice and with the top guys all the time and I, I think he's a great prospect. I feel like uh, there's a lot still to, 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 to learn and I feel like he can definitely get to top 50 if he if his mindset is there and he's the type of guy when he's, he's, his work ethic is there, he can definitely, and he's proven that he's beaten some good guys the last few months. And apart from being the captain of the South African ATP Cup team, what can you do to boost tennis in South Africa given that there are three decent players now in terms of the two singles guys and Raven? I think, you know, in terms of what I want to do for South Africa, I've always told the Federation, I've always told people that if I can find the balance to work a little bit with my guys on tour and be able to help where I can in South Africa, I would love to do that. If there's an opportunity that comes, I would definitely take it. I would consider it. But um, I love my country. I would love to help. I'm helping a, a kid that's one in the country at the moment. He's 16 and I love spending time with I never thought I would love spending that much time and enjoying with a junior, but I absolutely love it. And uh, I would love to give back more of myself. Well, with structure work ethic and fun I'm sure you Jeff Katia will be in great demand thank you for talking to us yeah. thank you so much for having me Chris South Africa will next play Chile who lost on day two to France but as Gabriel Clark explains with one of their most improved players on the tour in their ranks the Chileans will still fancy their chances Chilean Christian Garin was 17 when he lifted the 2013 French Open junior title but that was when the pressure of expectation began. I was 18. I moved to Barcelona and it was a big change because uh, I live all my life in Chile. It's Chile is, I have my friends, family, I have everything there and it was tough for me. Away from home, his results reflected his state of mind. I had to play futures qualities of challengers it was so different I mean ATP is tough but it's also tough to play challengers and I didn't know I was hoping to go higher faster and I couldn't get it and that was kind of sad never settled in Europe Christian decided to return to his roots I moved back last year and I feel at, like at home I know if I play four or five tournaments, I go back home and that for, for me is the best thing. I try to give my 100% in every tournament that I play and if I win or lose, uh, I, I'm going back home. So that is a really good thing for me. Along with the move back home came a new coach, Argentine Andre Schneider, who got to work on the mental block that had prevented Christian transferring his talent to the ATP Tour. 16, he won Roland Garros, yes, and he was between the, the, the top guys today, no? the Corrige or Zverev, he, actually he beat Zverev in the final. Um, but I think um, he couldn't do the same in ATP, they competed in the same way, like, be like it was before. And I think now he's doing and he's getting good results. The breakthrough came in Brazil with his first ATP Tour final. At the beginning of the year, I, I was playing so good, but I didn't get the results that I wanted. But then in Sao Paulo, I played my first final, and I lost 
but I had like a great feeling that I was doing good things. To reach the final was was really good. He lost that. I think it, we're talking so much that you would do it. And he did it not once, but twice. First, Christian claimed his maiden ATP Tour title in Houston in April. Quickly followed by a second on the clay in Munich. He feel comfortable and, and then coming Houston, once Houston, and then Munich, amazing. This is my first year playing ATPs. Uh, I'm, I'm very proud of the season that I'm doing. So, I don't know, in Munich, I had my second title. I didn't expect it, and for me, it's, it's amazing to be playing ATPs. I'm playing with the best players. It was my dream. Settled and happy, the 23-year-old is realizing all that junior potential. I had so much up and downs in my career, and now I feel that I'm solid with my game. I'm enjoying more the tournaments. Uh, I'm having more fun now, and I think that is the biggest difference that I'm having now. I'm enjoying my game, I'm having fun in the court, and I think for me that's the most important thing. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. Over to Perth and one of the surprise results from the early rounds was Norway's 2-1 victory over the USA. Norway are captained by Christian Rude, father of 21-year-old team member Kasper. It's been 23 years since a Norwegian has cracked the top 50 in the ATP rankings. Kasper Rude is eager to change that. Kasper's father, Christian, reached 39 in the ATP rankings back in 1995 and remains the highest-ranked Norwegian player of all time. So clearly tennis runs in the blood of the Rude family. He had the racket in his hand since he was one year old or something. He had some fun picture where the, the bucket of balls is a lot bigger than him. I would say when he was like 10, 11, that he started to say to me that I want to play tennis. After that, we kind of made a plan for, okay, maybe you're going to be a professional and let's, let's do it more serious. In the beginning, when, we, when I was 12, 13, 14, I didn't play too much, but there's a circuit called Tennis Europe for 14 years old and that's where he started traveling with me. And then when I was 16, the Spanish coach came in. For him being 16, 17 years old, to have his dad like one meter behind him the whole day, I think it's... Maybe not uh, that good, so that's why we, we brought in the coach which did most of the traveling and he came with his ideas and thoughts and then uh, I think also now with the system we have that he's also at the Nadal Academy getting inspiration and coaching from, the, from you know, some of the best coaches in the world. He's not the main coach, but dad Christian is never far away. We always try to have a phone call before I play a match. I would of course analyze my opponent, but he would also maybe see things that I didn't see or giving me motivation and um, small hints and tips every now and then is great. Yeah, I'm just you know trying to help him with uh, moving up in the rankings and play from my experience and tell him you know, you know which tournaments to play and try to develop his game also. And I think he's in a good position. He has a good team around him and establish himself as an ATP player. I think that's uh, the next goal. Kasper has been making major strides towards that goal. He reached the top 100 of the ATP rankings for the first time in March and followed that with his first ATP Tour final in Houston in April. 
but I've been ranked from 110 to 140 for about two years now and you're just pushing, pushing, pushing to get to that top 100. So now as I've reached the top 100, of course, I have some weeks not to relax, but kind of try to recharge and go for more. You have to be smart and keep the body healthy and to keep the motivation and the hunger to train hard and, and want to play tournaments and matches. And that's a little bit easier now when you have the top 100 ranking, you know, babe, you're in the main draw of French Open and things like this. Not your biggest goal in your career, hopefully, like you want to get uh, even better than top 100 uh, eventually in, in, your, in your career, but it's uh, one of the big first goals, I think, for a young player and you know, it just feels really good to finally get there. Yeah, great to see father and son there in the coaching ranks. We actually saw it, Arv, at the next-gen finals in Milan because uh, the coaching was allowed there with the headsets. But, hey, Casper, very impressed. Very impressed with his 2019. And, and for me, I haven't done my time capsule predictions yet, and probably I'm going to just look over your shoulder to see what, what you come up with. But I think he's a player that's... Uh, not only consolidating, but probably going to take a bit more of a rise up the rankings. Well, I think if you're looking for someone that, at the end of the, their career, will look back and 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 know that they they squeezed every single ounce out of their game, did absolutely everything they could to become the best possible player they could. He is going to be that player, and I love the fact that you touched on it. You're alluding to it, the fact that you know it's a father and son combination. I love the fact that you know he's been with him from the very start, taught him the game early on. He actually watched his father, you know, when he was a player, and then to follow him in his footsteps, it's, it's great to see. And and the fact that they were actually able to to come up with a two and one win because this is the thing you look on ATPCup.com and you see some of the lineups and there is that top player there and then it drops away sharply. But this is what the tournament's about because you get combinations happening in the doubles and it becomes a toss of the coin and it's great to see Norway getting the win there over the USA of course they're not done yet and you got Russia and Italy uh, there in that group as well so look there's some really interesting storylines happening at the RAC arena in Perth there's also Rafael Nadal and the world number one for the first time is starting off his campaign in Perth which I think is fantastic he has really taken to the city he's had the photo with the quokka is that what it was called? It's a, a quokka. quokka. So there's oh, yeah. a place called Rotnest Island, mm. full of them. And Roger Federer kind of led the way when he started going to the Hopman Cup. And now, it's you, he just got to had, go over and get it done. And he did. So it's on social media. You can follow that. Uh, but he's had a great time. It's such a relaxing place, Perth. It is magnificent. And he's really taken to it. And a good win first up. Yeah, I mean, the perfect preparation. You know, against Basashvili. Uh, you know, he is historically a, a type of player that can, you know, cause some trouble to someone like, like Nadal. Okay, the first set was fairly straightforward. Uh, the second set was a lot closer, 7-5. So I think Nadal would be very happy with the way he performed. And, you know, they're, 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 actually, they're actually quite unique in the fact that their court there in Perth is outdoors. They're actually playing yes. um, outdoors. There's a roof. And if it rains, of course, it will close. If it gets too hot, it will close. 35 degrees and above, uh, they can have it closed. But here in Brisbane, uh, in Sydney, there's a permanent roof. So yep, Canopy. Canopy, okay, exactly. So they, they, they have the advantage of that, that sunlight not being on them. Uh, yeah, because it can feel about 15, 20 degrees hotter. But the fact they haven't got that, it's a disadvantage for them because they're playing in, in real heat. But Rafa likes heat on the back, doesn't he? Oh, I can tell you that uh, the way that stadium is built in Perth is that they can shut the roof and position it so that the crowd's in the shade the whole time. There's only oh, a small smart. section at the start of the day where they've, they've got the 
the, the part, a couple of seats that are in the sun, but then they just manoeuvre it around, so it's well, just the, a call. Well, the architect deserves a raise for that. Yes, First yes. of its kind, I think. And uh, I think there was air conditioning in the seats. They've got all sorts of things. I've been out there. I'm a, I'm a Perth Stadium expert, let me tell you. But another team in Perth who got off to a perfect start was Japan. They may be without Kei Nishikori, but as Rob Curling explains, Japan have another key player in their ranks. Yoshihito Nishioka has been climbing the ATP rankings. And at 170 centimetres, the Japanese number two knows the keys to success for shorter players on the ATP Tour. We have the speed, and then we have technique, and then most important thing is the fighter for mental. We have to use this because we don't have power like them. You know, we cannot hit service service winner like 20 times a match. We have to figure out where is the weakness and which one is the strongest for opponents. That is very important thing, I think. As a teenager at the IMG Academy, Nishioka decided to model his game after a former world number one following a conversation with legendary coach Nick Bollettieri. He was around 16 or 17 years old. Want to be play like Nadal or Berdasco. Mr. Nick told me, and you're very small, so you have to use your speed and a technique. The Marcel Rios was exactly like me. Same heights and then also lefties. You have to learn from him how to play the small player and even the lefty. So I started watch his match on YouTube. You know, he's the how to make a point against the big players, sometimes going to the net, snaking, you know, hit a drop shot. Like he's playing like he can do whatever he wants. And then, oh, I can run from him. And then I started watch him. Now I want to be like him. In Cincinnati, Nishioka made waves back home after a monumental win over Japanese number one, Kei Nishikori. And the stuff of dreams becomes reality. Nishioka's first ever top 10 victory comes at the hands of the man he has watched up close as the flag bearer for his home nation. This moment is my biggest memory for sure. I use everything today and then I try my best and um, yeah, I, I'm very happy. Even with the victory, Nishioka still admires everything Nishikori has done for tennis in Japan. He's a Japanese hero, most of the Asian heroes for tennis. He shows us he's not the high as well. He's very small for tennis players, but before Kei's coming, Japanese number one is Shuzo, and he was 47 or something. And then now Kei's best number four. We believe in we can go like him. We want to be like him, and he's showing the, our dream. It's a lightning quick start from Nishioka. I want to be a great player. Always motivation is high. I want to make more bigger tennis in Japan. That's very my motivation right now. You're listening to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Available on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and ATPTour.com. Let's go to Sydney because the quarterfinals will be played there, but they have got group action as well. And your mob, Team GB, disappointment, of course, for Andy Murray not playing the Australian summer. So it's down to Cam Norrie and Dan Evans. Obviously, Jamie Murray is there as well, but they lost to Bulgaria. That was a tie that went long and long and long and long and long. And, and Bulgaria's managed to back up that form, which has been sensational for them. But 
expectations from you of Team GB? Yeah, no, I think it was it was unlucky. I think they still got a, a great team. It, Cam Norrie, he's a tough competitor. I mean, he can uh, fight with the very best. You know, Dan Evans now, um, and and Joel Salisbury in the team, which is great to see. Yep. Obviously, there was there was a little bit of discussion on, you know, what sides they're going to play. With Jamie plays right court. Uh, Joe plays right court as well it's Joe that's played left court I don't know not whether not sure whether they're going to change things up as the week unfolds but that's something that I've had to deal with as well you know you want Andy Murray in the team the experience and especially how he was playing Antwerp and the fight that he he showed in Madrid as well but unfortunately just hasn't as you alluded to hasn't kind of recovered but they're not out of it they can still come through and and I'm sure they will they will fight to the to the bitter end And, and great to see uh, Tim Hemman as captain as well. You know, he has been out of that sort of role, that sort of environment for a number of years. So I'm sure he's been very excited to get back back involved. Yeah, he certainly has. But uh, as I mentioned, Bulgaria getting the job done so far. And as both captain and leading player, Grigor Dimitrov has a lot of responsibility on his shoulders, but he's used to being a leading light for the sport in Bulgaria. My dad was uh, was my tennis coach, and my mom was a former volleyball player, so I kind of come from a, a sporty family. I was very passionate from uh, from early age, and starting to play a lot of tennis, starting to go twice a day to, to practice. I think when I was 10 or 11 years old, I, f- I finally realized that this is what I was uh, what I was meant to do, and I wanted to do. I just feel like my family raised me very well as well. They, they've been such a such a big supporters of me throughout uh, throughout the whole the whole time. I mean, all those all those years. So I was never pretentious, I would say. So with, uh, whether it was with rackets, foot, or anything like that, as long as there was a there was a tennis court and you know fresh strung rackets, that's all I was uh, was happy with. I think first time when I came on tour, I wasn't ready for it, uh, physically nor mentally for it, but somehow I managed to win, which kind of helped me to, to learn more. Obviously, when some of the big, big wins came after, I, I started, uh, I mean, having that respect not only for the game, but for myself and, and, and what, what was surrounding me. I really hope that I could have inspired, uh, you know, people, kids to start playing tennis. I'm a tennis player, but above all, I just want to make sure that also set the right examples for for the families and, and absolutely their kids that also with hard work, it doesn't matter where you're from, you can make anything you want if, if your will is in the right place. So also as a part of uh, that group, we've got Belgium, of course, led by David Goffin, and Moldova, a great opportunity for Radu Elbot and testament to the hard work that he's put in over the past 12 to 24 months that Moldova get a starting spot in the lineup in Sydney. Let's talk about Croatia because they're also in Sydney and they're having a great time. Whenever you, you talk about Croatia and you talk about Croatian tennis, you talk about the team, the camaraderie. We've seen it so many times in Davis Cup and it's coming to the fore here. We've got the, the combination of Cilic and Choric and they're performing great things so far. Whenever you see uh, the Croatians are in town in a tournament, they are hanging out together, they're going to dinner together, they're very close, as you, you say, and uh, I think that, that helps in team competitions. You play as individuals so often throughout the, the year, but they've got a closeness that is hard to match, actually. Uh, they're, they're quite a feisty a bunch, but uh, you know, with, with Cilic, you know, he's been 
a great servant over the years for, for Croatian tennis. He's quite a calming influence, actually. He's not your stereotypical crat. Uh, it can be quite loud and boisterous and, and you know, uh, quite fiery on the, on the court. And, and with Choric, you know, he, he started off brilliantly well against Dominic Team. What a win that is. I mean, he's the man of the moment at the moment, isn't he? Dominic Team. So to get a win, an early win over him, uh, that's got to do his confidence a, a world of good. Well, we've got Argentina also in that group, led by my favourite, Diego Schwartzman. Although he had a loss first up to Hubert Hercash, Poland also as a part of the lineup here. But let's go back to Croatia. And as Arvin mentioned, they are doing some great things. They have done great things as a team. Let's hear from their singles players, Maran Cilic and first of all, Borna Cioric. When I was seven, I was um, always playing um, on some wall of my house. I remember my parents were uh, very, very angry because of it, because I was making lots of noise. The most happy moments I remember were, you know, the winning the trophies and the medals and, you know, just uh, playing the tournaments uh, when I was a kid and also uh, traveling during the weekends. Too big, too strong, too good. You know, he's uh, absolutely amazing tennis player. He's also a very nice guy. Uh, he's very easy going, so you know we never have uh, any fight pretty much, and you know that's that's why I'm uh, I'm also looking forward to the tournament because I know it's uh, it's going to be it's going to be great company. But certainly much more of what you want to see from Borna Cioric. He's got that big heart and always going through the borderlines of uh, you know physical and mental abilities and just uh, pushing himself. So it's it's always a joy to be part of the team with him. I just love tennis, to be honest. I just love the joy, I just love the, um, all the excitement and uh, you know that's that's why we are playing tennis to be honest. It's in Croatian's blood to uh, play well in sports especially that are uh, involved with, with the ball, any kind of ball. We, we love it and uh, I hope that I can uh, bring uh, many more trophies uh, to my country and uh, sign my name down in the history books uh, of, of Croatian sport. So that's about it for our first ATP Tennis Radio podcast for the year. Now, we've got plenty to come across this year. Not only are we doing all the Masters 1000s, we're doing selected 500 events. We've got the NITO ATP finals, the next-gen finals coming your way as well. It is a packed calendar. We'll have plenty of podcasts. We'll have plenty of exclusive interviews. But coming up in a couple of weeks' time, a couple of episodes' time, is the very famous now ATP Tennis Radio time capsule. And Arvind Palmer just basically blitzes this. He writes it down. He spent hours and days locked away in a room on his own just to put his predictions together. How's all that process going? Have you started yet? Well, I have a dartboard at home. <laughs> and I kind of just pin it up. I close my eyes as well, believe it or not. And I'm just throwing darts. And wherever it lands, then that's it. There okay. are my answers. Okay. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's been great having you. Enjoy the rest of the week here in Brisbane. Um, we can catch your commentary uh, all over the world as part of the World Feed commentary team. Cheers, Pete. Good stuff. And that's it from Arvin Palmer and from me, Peter Mercado. Join us next week when we'll look back at the inaugural ATP Cup and discuss what it all means ahead of the Australian Open, the first Grand Slam of the year. Don't forget, you can catch up with our exclusive channel through TuneIn Radio. You can also get all the results, stats and news through atpcup.com. But for now, enjoy the tennis. If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. Review.